What's going on, everybody? Welcome. We're an emergency pod here of Face Off with Chris. Um, it's been a smidge, smidge of a busy day if uh, you follow the Philadelphia Flyers. You're a fan. And uh, we have a special guest on with us. Um, somehow the guy's still, you know, quote unquote standing. Um, he's been pretty, pretty busy today. Uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers, Jason Martinez, what's going on, man? I'm still standing. I don't know the other words. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it today. I'll tell you that. I was thinking like, oh, ho-hum, I'll do some league racing on my simulator and I'll be good to go. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm getting all these texts. Um, matter of fact, I texted Anthony DeMarco earlier today and I said, um, let's punt the stick to hockey this week. There's really nothing to talk about. Oh I said him that this morning. <laughs> well, that changed. <laughs> right? Do you think the, uh, before we get into everything, which most people know about by now, the the big trade today. Um, you think the NHL kind of frowned on, on the Flyers and the the Blue Jackets and the Kings today? Like we're in the middle of a Stanley Cup, you know, series here, and this bomb just drops. You think they kind of frown upon something like that happening? Yeah, I don't think they prefer it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's those like unwritten rules of moratoriums and you know freezes and stuff and during the cup final is usually one of those but while they may frown on it for a brief second they'll probably look at it and say you know what it's actually good yeah. we have people in the philadelphia market talking about the game again yep. so you know the the philadelphia is important to the nhl mm-hmm. you know if th- there's the original six and some around league circles they call it the original seven and the flyers are that seventh team mm-hmm. as far as you know importance for the league and the revenue it generates and like you guys know this like people outside of philadelphia nobody's ambivalent about the flyers there's a mm-hmm. lot of people in other cities like in canada and montreal and all over north america and all over the world frankly that love the flyers and then the other half hates the flyers there's sure. no in between oh no there's no gray area yeah no None. so that's that's a good thing no matter what mm-hmm. generates interest and frankly the NHL and the Flyers, it's incumbent upon them to get themselves back in that conversation of being a meaningful NHL team in a 32 team league. For sure. Um, the first thing I want to ask you uh, is about Danny Briere. Um, This guy's already moving and shaking, you know, the, the club presidents, you know, calling games <laughs> right now with TNT. Um, but I'm sure he he's involved as well. I was listening to the Danny Briere presser. And I and I, just like you, we've we've all been a part of and listened to a million press conferences after something like this. And you don't always get, you know, you always get the standard answers. What I've really come to love about Danny Briere, um, and this is how I felt he was as a player when you know I would you know talk to him after every game, saying, you know, you probably saw this as well. He's one of the best you could ever talk to in a locker room. The candor that he speaks with and answers questions. It's so refreshing with this franchise, and I hope the fans are really starting to get behind all of this because he's so honest. I mean, the fact that he openly continues to use the word rebuild, even though we've known this now for a couple of years, but it was a word that just wasn't thrown around a lot. The fact that he admitted that, you know, we don't know too much about the player coming back to us on the Kings. I rely on my scouts for that, you know, I to tell me these things. What have you seen that you've liked a lot in just in this short time that Danny Briere has become the leader uh, of this franchise? Well, I'll throw my, you know, first kind of, you know, thing in there where I, I 
self-admitted in my 30 years in the business, there's never, I have not covered anybody that has been as genuine as open mm-hmm. and just a good person as Danny. So I, I throw that out there right away. Mm-hmm. I don't make any bones about it. Yep. Is he going to do a good job? I don't know. The, yep. the results will determine that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll go back to even before he was named and like two years ago when I was trying to book him for Flyers Daily. And I think he was the the general manager in Maine at that time in the ECHL. And I was like, you know, can you come on at 2.30? Can we tape at 2.30? And he said, uh, can't, I'm in class. I'm in class. What are you talking about? <laughs> it, I mean, former NHL made a lot of dough, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Went back to school to learn business. Mm. The Wharton School of Business. Not a bad school. Um, nope. Not many former players will do that. You know, that that shows a seriousness and detail of what he wanted to do on this arc to becoming a GM. Um, I remember when he first retired and settled back here in Philadelphia after I think it was Colorado. All of a sudden, um, he started kind of working with the Flyers and he was on the business side. He would show up in our radio meetings. I'm like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And he's like just following Sean Tilger and learning about everything. So he went through all the different progressions, Is you know, been in player development, was actually coached a couple of games with Ian LaPerriere. So he's gone through, you know, all of the the stages of boxes to check to get here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing about Danny is two things. Number one is, you know, you never feel like he's just bullshitting you. Nope. You know, a lot of times GMs, you feel like there's a superiority thing. I'm up here. You're down there. I know you don't. Mm-hmm. And it's that talk down to thing. And you'll never get that from Danny. But number two, don't mistake that. Because as gentlemanly as he is and as good of a guy as he is and all of that, he is a killer. Mm-hmm. He is a stone cold competitor. Yep. And he will rip your throat out, <laughs> rip out your heart, put it on a, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. He is a killer. He's a massively competitive guy. Yep. So don't underestimate that. Any GMs that are looking to underestimate him this offseason, trying to get in on the new guy, good luck. Because like he did when he played, he'll give you the stick. He'll create his space in his own way. Yes, he so, will. I mean, he was a vicious competitor. And I don't want to say borderline dirty. I'll say dirty. I mean, he he knew what he had to do to create his own space. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who shined on the biggest stage. So I don't think anything will daunt him. I agree. And to piggyback what you said in the beginning, the only other guy that I would even put in the same tier in terms of covering guys, in terms of just a genuine human being, great human being, great guy to talk to, and never BS you. The only other guy that I put in that same tier as Danny is Gags. Gagne was spectacular. Um, love talking to him all the time as well. So let's kind of go over, not go over, but when it when the trade first came through, we were kind of getting piecemeal of what was going on here. And then when we heard what the Flyers were getting back in terms of draft picks, and you and I have talked for so, so long about how you know, this team really has to build for the future through the draft. And they got to, and the, the best way to get that is to get assets. And in this trade, I feel like they got more than maybe a lot of us, maybe not you, but a lot of us thought they would ever get in return for Ivan Provorov. Um, I know there was, you know, some salary dump on one side, salary retention um, with the, with, with the Kings. However, when this trade came through all of it in its totality, Jason, what was your thoughts? Like, what did you immediately grade this in your head? Well, I had heard about it kind of breaking just a little bit before it actually broke. But, you know, and then I, and I was kind of following along on Flyers Twitter. I'm like, I got to get off here. 
um, because, <laughs> you know, people were going, this move's terrible. If they didn't get this or they didn't get that. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, you don't even know what the deal is yet. Like, reserve your judgment for a moment. Just slow down. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, when I saw the 22nd overall pick mm-hmm. and I saw, you know, the salary dump is Cal Peterson yeah. and Walker. But that also gets you the second round pick mm-hmm. in next year's or the 25 draft, however that gets actioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a tremendously complicated deal. This isn't, we'll send you this, you send us that mm-hmm. for Danny. This is a complicated deal that you're working through two GMs to retain some money with LA for Provorov to go there, who's got two years left. And so, so it's a really not a deal that gets consummated quickly it takes time for this one i would imagine this probably started back at the gm meetings when danny was first hired is when this the conversations here first started and it took till this point i think that's why the deal gets swung today too because i think danny realized something really important that hey if we have a deal and like we feel like let's make it now because there's an unwritten rule i don't want yarmo talking to anybody agreed you know, I don't want agreed him to double back with any GM. We got to deal. Let's let's shake on. Let's let's put the deal into the registry. Yeah, and, and like you said, did. Danny's a killer man. So yeah. he saw it on the table and said, "Pull the trigger. Let's go." Yep. And I and I think that you know, there's this notion too, Chris, that everything that wears a Flyers logo that goes on the ice is absolute dog shit, and that the team there's no value here. There's no nobody. Provorov stinks. He was supposed to be a Nars. Well, you've not thought about that thought about that way around NHL circles. And I think there were multi- the reason why Danny got the pricey guys because he pitted a couple teams up against each other. And I think Winnipeg was definitely in that mix for him. Mm-hmm. And it's been talked about for years. I think St. Louis was in that mix for him. So Danny found a way to pit teams against each other, work out a deal that made sense to get the best return with Columbus and get LA, give them some relief and get them to eat 30%. And you're in a good situation. So it's a complicated deal. It's a thinking man's deal. And he pulled the trigger and he put, you know, for his first deal. I mean, that's, he really sent the tone. Not too shabby. And let's not forget, Ivan Provorov is 26 years old. He just turned 26 in January. So it's not like, you know, the NHL circles are looking at Ivan Provorov as, you know, some 33-year-old defenseman who's set in his ways that maybe a change of scenery or different coaching won't help. So who knows? Maybe well, he you can... know Matt, Mike Babcock is arrogant enough to go, let me get my hands on him. I'll make him the best D in the league. That's also a real thing. <laughs> yes, I know. Boy, like like we said, I can't wait to see that unfold Ooh, um, over there. Um, so now you, you kind of move forward now in terms of what is your thoughts on Cal Pedersen coming in and Sean Walker? Um, I was reading some things um a couple of days ago uh, regarding the Kings, how this is an offseason where a guy like Sean Dersey and, and Sean Walker are going to probably get moved um, because there's a really big salary ish, a salary cap issue over in L.A. Um, do you know much about Sean Walker? Um, do, you, do you think that's someone who might not make the team or is that someone that you expect, you know, somewhat of an impact? Yeah, I mean, I look at it as it was, you know, he was taken to accentuate the return a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but I think he was also part of the deal because he's a right side guy. Yeah. And frankly, they don't have a lot of depth there. You know, you had, you Cam York last year playing top pair right side as a left shot guy. That's not ideal. Um, So I think that's part of it. And I think that also could be a signal that there's another move 
and that move would be Tony D'Angelo. Um, yeah. And, you know, he would be like your third pairing right side guy, Sean Walker, and a guy like Justin Braun two years ago that you flipped to the Rangers that you mm-hmm. could probably flip at the deadline, and he's in the final year of the deal. So, you know, he's only 28. He's not an old guy, Sean no. Walker, but he doesn't fit the long-term timeline here. But I think that, you know, he's a guy that will be – I think he will be on this team. And they need right side guys, unless you're going to start Adder right out of the gate mm-hmm. at the NHL level, which I don't think is in the cards. Yeah. So I think that he is a guy that could be here. As far as Cal Peterson goes, you know, it's interesting because, you know, he signed that contract last offseason, a three year mm-hmm. deal, five million per, 15 yep. million, and just fell apart this year. Yeah. In his first three years in the league, behind a really suspect team in LA. Yep. Put up good win loss record wasn't good. That's a team stat, but yeah, in nine sixteen save percentage and two seven nine goals against average on a pretty, pretty thin team in L.A. But these this last year, I mean, the wheels fell off the wagon. He was not bad. He was horrible. Yeah. So that's maybe a bit of a reclamation project. But where he fits in, I think, will be determined by what they do uh, with Carter Hart if he is still here or if he has moved on. So. We, since you brought him up, and I was going to wait till a little bit, but you might as well just talk about it now. Get the get it off uh, off our back here. Carter Hart, there's a lot, there was a lot said, you know, especially your partner, Anthony. And I, I spoke to Anthony San Filippo earlier. Um, the same thing, you know, we were, we were chatting back and forth, um, where it kind of was making it seem like the next domino to drop today was the Carter Hart move. And then it kind of, um, cooled off a little bit. And I was told by by someone that obviously the trade was not going to happen today. But, you know, there's a lot of um, balls being thrown in the air right now regarding Carter Hart. What are your your feelings? You know, you and I have talked back and forth for quite a few years over Carter Hart. Um, It's for me in the current day NHL, it's just really hard for me to fathom a, a talent like Carter Hart just, you know, being traded away now with, you know, how goalies are so. Um, they're so valuable in the sport now. Um, just just look at the Stanley Cup finals. I mean, these goalies were never start. I mean, gosh, Aiden Hill wasn't even a thought. Um their fifth string goalie. Exactly. And he's set right now, as it stands today, to be a con Smythe winner at the end of this. Um what are what's your thoughts here um on the future of, of Carter Hart? And if he does end up getting dealt. When do you think that mindset changed for the franchise to eventually move who was supposed to be the franchise guy? Well, I mean, there, God, there's so many things I want to say. Um, <laughs> first of all, just like the whole concept of this conversation gives me anxiety because mm-hmm. of all the years, like the importance of the position. Yes. And I think, I think a big element that people overlook, they go, well, yeah, he's 24. He'll get you a haul. Well, first of all, define hall. Goaltenders mm-hmm. tend not to get you the hall that you think. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, you know, the only way you're going to get anything significant is if he signs an extension because at July 1st with the team he's going to, nobody's going to trade for a guy on the last year of his deal. Yeah, he'll still be restricted, but they're going to want a commitment long term and he's going to have to commit there. And I do know from talking to him, you know, he doesn't want to lose anymore. He wants to win. For so sure. That may be part of it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, as he committed to their timeline, you know, to get things turned around here. But I, I mean, when it comes to Carter, it's just he to me, he's a known commodity. I know his numbers aren't eye popping and there's a raw numbers. But, you know, somebody who watches every game, game in and game out, mm-hmm. 
I think he's progressed. I, th- I thought he had a really good year this past year. Yes. After two pretty rough seasons behind really shoddy defensive mm-hmm. structure teams. I don't even, I shouldn't even use the word structure. There was none. Um, <laughs> and I, I say it all the time. You cannot judge goaltending in a vacuum. You can't just no. look at it and say, well, Samsonov has a better save percentage or lower goals against average him, so he's better. It doesn't work that way. No. Goaltending does not happen in a vacuum. Environment matters a ton. I remember Robin Lehner when he was with the Islanders and then he went to Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to an interview with Robin Lehner and he said, I have played so much better in Chicago than I played with the Islanders. His numbers with the Islanders were way better. Mm-hmm. But they gave up nothing off the rush, very little high danger chances. That's Barry Trotz. So yep. environment matters. And where Hart is kind of mentally as a pro, his preparation, the way he takes care of his body, his mind, and all that, I think he's a guy that behind a good team is going to be a monster. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really reticent to, say, trade him. Plus, I mean, have I seen enough of Sam Harrison? Hell no. <laughs> I, I think he's looked really good. For sure. But, I mean, how many goalies have you seen come into the league and look good? A ton. I mean, the Hamburglar was a phenom. Mm-hmm. He couldn't stop a beach ball from the blue line now. And, and the years after that run with Ottawa, there's a lot of guys that go on a heater or come in, they do well, and then the league adjusts, and then they have to adjust to it, and they just can't. So, um, you know, is that Cal Peterson? Does he the answer? I don't think so. Is Harrison? I don't know. Is yeah. Felix Anstrom? Probably not. Is Kolosov, who's in Russia, is he going to develop like Samsonov and Shosturkin? I don't know. It's so volatile. And the biggest thing is this. It is so hard to judge where your team is in a rebuild if you can't get a save. You have no idea where your team is in the rebuild. Buffalo Great hasn't point. known. Ottawa hasn't known. Chicago's not going to know. All these teams will not know where they are in their rebuild because they can't get a save. You cannot play this game you know, as a skater, afraid to make a mistake because your goalie can't bail you out. Yep. Because if you do that and you're playing too safe, there's no risk and you're screwed. You'll never know where you are in your rebuild if you don't have that. And a goalie is like a quarterback. If you don't have one, you're looking for one. If you have one, you can take care of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that, so I'm really reticent to just, you know, say get a haul. I don't know what a haul means. Yeah. I mean, he's a known commodity, and whatever you'd get would probably be an unknown commodity. Even if you trade him to Toronto, you got a guy like Matthew Nice, Nice rather, and you know the the Boston twenty eighth pick in this draft. I mean, still, that's it's still tough. I agree. Um, phenomenal point you said. Um, I haven't heard anything like that from anybody yet in terms of you don't know where you are in a rebuild if you can't if you have a guy that can't stop the puck. Yeah, I mean, so, if you want to tank in the NHL, it's so easy. You mm-hmm. don't have to put an inferior roster on there. Just put on a guy on the ice that can't stop a puck. Yeah. That's the best way to lose. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> you Good know point. <laughs> um, So now moving forward from Hart, because I'm sure there's going to be plenty to talk about that in the coming weeks or so. Um, other players on this roster who you've already mentioned, Tony D'Angelo, the center market, because um, remember, you know, centers aren't as important as wingers. Remember that. Um, <laughs> um the, the center market and free agency is not going to be super strong. Do you see the market heating up for guys like Tony D'Angelo or even a Kevin Hayes, who we've heard his name uh, pop up quite a few times down here in this offseason? Um, do you see more significant players getting moved from this this 
this roster that they that they've had this past season. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it depends on what the Flyers will retain on Hayes. That'll depend on the return. I mean, we heard Columbus mentioned so many times, and like you go, well, Provorov was dealt there. Why wasn't Hayes dealt there again today? Doesn't mean that deal's off. You know, right. they're just, they're two separate entities un, unto their own. They don't really correlate with each other, which is why you had to involve the third team in the Kings for the retention and to get that deal done. So um, Hayes could still end up in Columbus. There's a couple, I mean, he could end up in Colorado. I think he makes sense in Colorado. Total sense in Colorado. Kadri, I mean. Landis Cog is out for the year. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, huge. So, and that's a team that's a really good team and, and they could get away with some of his defensive liabilities to put him in the right situations. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I think Jared Bednar is a good coach that could, really do that but so I, I think Hayes absolutely is a is probably going to be moved I think D'Angelo is very likely but when you get into the guys like connect me you know I mean you're gonna you'd have to get a haul for him he's the same age as pro Roth 26 but to me you, you have to have some personality on your team yeah and the way he handled his being benched in that third period back in October against uh San Jose I believe it was mm-hmm and the way he responded to that, I mean, he had a cold streak in there too after he had like a 21-game point streak and he had 12 of the 22 games that were in multiple points and went through a cold streak but kept grinding. And to me, I I don't know if you move him. I just don't. I know the coach loves him. I know Danny likes him a lot. So, um, you know, those kind of guys are, are big question marks to be moved, like Konechny and, you know, Frost is, is the value equation – right for frost at this time still Tippett's mm-hmm. a guy that i don't think that you you trade i agree i think you're really unlocking him now mm-hmm. um i mean noah cates is the guy that i i just don't think the average hockey fan understands what he is mm-hmm. um i mean a lot of those analytics guys say that he he, he should have been the selkie winner that's incredible advanced yeah. stats you know and we and i i talked to him uh, on exit day and I remember asking him, you know, the game in middle, two games in February that you played, you, I thought you announced yourself to the league as a guy that is going to have to be reckoned with amongst the star players because the way bottled Connor McDavid up. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's going to be more moves, um, but we'll see how significant and how deep they go and how big the names are that eventually get moved. So I have have two quick things and this is just a question. Do you think this might be just me thinking, way overboard here in terms of how a team uh, an organization thinks when you're going through a rebuild do you think it's important to keep a guy like a Travis Konechny on the team to at least give the fans something to show up and see in terms of a fan favorite like him do you think anything ever goes into a way of thinking there um I I tend to doubt it um I think that was the case in the prior regime okay I, I said this before. I thought that Chuck Fletcher was compromised being the president and the GM because the president does have to worry about butts and seats. And you can't make the best decisions for your hockey team when you're worried about those things. Yeah. So that's, to me, a compromised position, which I was really glad they separated the two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Konechny, I mean, to me, he still fits the timeline that they could be on. But, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of rebuild is this? You know, they're not all created equal, that's for sure. And how you progress through it really depends. Like the Rangers sent the letter. Did people like to say they did a tear down? I say bullshit. Mm-hmm. They didn't trade Mika Zibanejad. They didn't trade Chris Kreider. No. 
You know what I mean? They yeah. got Jacob Truba. Panarin forced his way there. Fox forced his way there. And they had Shesterkin coming. So, you know. It was an aggressive retool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, and, and, and they had some things going their way. Mm-hmm. New York City was a big thing for Fox yeah. and obviously Panarin. And then Shesterkin just coming in and just being otherworldly. Yes. So, you know, not all rebuilds are created like that. Like, look at Edmonton. I mean, they won five of seven number one overall picks. They have won, I think, six playoff series since 2009 or two, since they were in the cup final. Yeah. Against Carolina with mm-hmm. two of the best players I've ever seen in Dry Sidle and David. Yeah. Like, that's incredible, right? Yeah. Like, it stuns guys, me every year. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they can't defend. And, right. And, and like, word around the trade deadline was, oh, they want to go get Eric Carlson. I'm, you need a team that can defend and you're going to get a defender who can't defend. Like, what are you doing? You don't need more goals. Right. This sport is cumulative. Keeping them out of your net is just as important as putting them in the other net. Mm-hmm. So, um, and like roster construction now is so difficult. There's 220 players in this league now that wouldn't have been in the league 15 years ago. Yeah. Because of the amount of teams that there are. And like, you see it every year, like, like watching the cup final, it's total throwback, right? It's yes. been so physical. Look at Matthew Kachuk. I mean, Jesus, I love the guy. Mm-hmm. And you see all these guys like, like when Tampa goes out and get Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau, like they have all these difference makers, but they couldn't make a difference because they didn't have guys that they didn't think would make a difference. Yeah. And those guys mm-hmm. come in and that's the kind of Nick Paul, like those are the kind of guys that really, you have to have depth. I mean, depth is so key. And if you're paying just a couple guys too much money, it's really difficult. It's one thing I'll wonder with Chicago and Bedard too. You know how that progresses. I mean, they literally got no one to play with him. No, no, they traded everybody. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll see how that goes. But you know, connect. You know, fan interest, fans buy in on one thing: winning and losing. For sure, when they'll be there, and if yep. and they've become the Flyers become a little bit more likable. You know, with Keith Jones and and Danny and Dan Hilferty, I think they have become mm-hmm. more relatable again. So I think that's the thing that's been missing. They Fans didn't feel like they related anymore to the city, and that's a problem. Yeah, big time problem. Um, that's when you notice people weren't showing back up. That's yeah. that's when you knew something was wrong. When they felt like they were Flyers taken. fans. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Um, last couple of questions here. I you know let you go go to sleep. <laughs> um, so, where do you think um, Tortorella fits in all of this? Um, I know he knew what he was getting himself into. You got a whole new regime in here now who I'm sure he's communicated with at nauseum, which is great. I'm sure the relationship between all three are great from what I've heard it is. Um, do you do you think he's going to have any say in, in this roster building at all over the next, you know, six to 12 months? Do, do you think Tortorella is locked in on, well, let's let's try to make sure maybe this rebuild's not as long as maybe we initially thought it might be? I, I think that that that's all, you know the presumption when you got a coach that's been around as long as Torts has. Yeah. But I think that's one of the biggest misnomers. I think Torts is, you know, he and I have talked about it. You can't microwave it. No. You know, any food that you microwave tastes like it's been microwaved. Correct. You know what I mean? You cannot microwave <laughs> it. You got to do it right. But yeah. so what does that mean timeline wise? Well, we don't know. Like Danny said, the players will ultimately determine that because you don't know. How is a guy all of a sudden, you know, maybe it's this defenseman they acquired from the Kings, the second round pick, maybe at 22 years old, like as a 6'3", 205 pounder, like he clicks and figures out his NHL game. Mm -hmm. Big defensemen tend to take longer. So that could happen. 
and you just don't know like how guys are going to develop, how things are going to evolve with your players, your draft picks, Cutter Gauthier, yeah, you know, Sam Harrison, all these things, Cam York, how these things all develop. I mean, you, you could be, I always said this in the NHL, you're never as far away as you think you are. And you're never as close as you think you are. You're somewhere, you know, like when the Flyers went into that bubble and they yeah. won those three seeding games or whatever, I'm getting all these DMs. Flyers are going to win the cup. I'm like, these games don't mean anything. <laughs> Settle <laughs> yep. down. You know yep. what I mean? And, and as bad as they were at times, they weren't nearly as bad as, you know, you, people would feel about it because they're living it day by day. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that the timeline is, I just don't know what it's going to be because I just, I don't have a crystal ball, but the Flyers, you know, it's interesting because they have the makings of a good team with good depth, but they lack one thing and that's the high end piece. Yeah. You know, like you see teams like Toronto, they got these four high end pieces, but they mm-hmm. have no depth. No, they have no secondary scoring. And when Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner goes cold in a round of the playoffs, you're out. You're done. Yeah. You're dead. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in, like this. You mentioned this free agency class. I think it sucks. Yes. <laughs> it's a horrible it's, one. Yeah, next Good year to sit one out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and conversely, I, one of the things I just kind of been thinking about and talking about is the Metropolitan Division. Every team in this division has got, with the exception of the Flyers and maybe the Islanders, mm-hmm. are going to go out this offseason. And put themselves in a position to make a really big mistake. Mm-hmm. Like the pens and the caps are trying to prop up a window with a, a rotted out twig. That's not going to hold that window open Mm-mm. because of Crosby and Ovechkin. And they're going to go out there in this awful free agency class and they're going to make a mistake. Yep. And then you look at a team like Carolina, really good team. Can't get over the hump in the playoffs. I thought Rob Brindamore had a really bad last round. Agreed. I thought he wore his emotions I mean, if you see the captain of the ship panicking, if yep. it bumps into something, everybody starts. And I thought he looked way too high, strung, and panicked. Um, I look at the Islanders. They got to move the ball forward. I think they're going to be good for a while because of Sorokin. And mm-hmm. the Rangers, they fired Gerard Gallant, who must be a really big pain in the ass. I, all he does is win and get fired. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So <laughs> if Laviolette ends up there, look out for them, I think, they, you know, especially next year. Mm-hmm. But these teams... I think it's a good year for the Flyers to sit back and get more guys, young guys, experience these who's who and what's what and get a little cap healthier and then start to get into that game of free agency. And we'll see how that changes any kind of timeline as well. So my last question to you, and this is foreshadowing a full year. And I know this is sound stupid, but it's makes us hope for something good, right? They're, they're not going to be wonderful in a great, you know, a perfect storm, like you just said, of this awful free agency. But free agency really ramps up after this upcoming, this next season. Yeah. Do you firmly and historically in my head, I know for a fact, my answer is, of course. Do you feel if there is some, um, if the Flyers become cap healthy, which I think they're going to put themselves in a really good position between now and the trade deadline. I think they're really going to make uh, uh, help themselves out masterfully. Do you see them being incredibly active in maybe getting a superstar back in the orange and black beginning 
the fo- next the following season. So you're thinking about an Austin Matthews, something of that. Leon Dreisaitl, those kinds yeah. of guys. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean the first the first part of it is is, I mean they are getting getting more cap healthy the way they're doing things like with the deal that took place today. Mm-hmm. Danny takes a little short term pain cap wise for some salary dumps mm-hmm. for that long term no commitment gain um, to open up cap space. So, look, I just think they're going to be aggressive. I do. I think that you're going to get a you know Jonesy in one of his interviews talked about Howie Roseman. And hmm. that's the model. Now, in the NFL, whenever there's a, a high-end piece out there that can help a team win, I mean, is there ever a time when Howie Roseman's name is not mentioned or the Eagles? They are sure. in on everybody. Everyone. They may not get everybody, but right. they get a lot of them. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. And why? Because he's got big stones mm-hmm. and he's creative. And I've been mm-hmm. really critical of Howie, but I got to give him his props. And, I mean, people look back at the Paul Holmgren regime and – they pan it, but I mean that guy had balls big enough to carry in a dump truck. I agree. He made some big time moves. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the Forsberg move, teaming in and and uh, getting um, Hartnell out of there. I mean, big big moves. I mean, traditionally the, the recce trade that was pulled off years ago with Montreal with Leclerc. Wow. I mean, think of I mean some ballsy moves and big moves and. Flyers made a lot of mistakes too. They brought in a lot of guys, right player, wrong time, whether it's Adam Oates or Tony Amonti or Darian the list Hatcher. goes on and on. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on, but I think they're going to be a team that's going to be aggressive to get back into the, the frontal lobe of consciousness in the NHL. Cause they're not there right now. Mm-hmm. And you got to make a big splash. And I mean, having a guy like a dry or a Matthews in a market like Philadelphia would be great. So yeah, you got to position yourself to be able to, to mm-hmm. be in that game because if you're not drafting one, two, or three at the very top of the draft, they're not going to tank. So anybody needs to get that out of their head. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to tank for Bedard. I think I thought that would have been the wrong thing to do. Um, but it's not a guarantee. No. And no. and a number one overall pick, I would have loved to get Bedard this year. He's yeah. fantastic. going to be a fantastic player. But what are these guys at the top of the draft? They've been taking to the top. What have they accomplished? I think Agreed. it's like six first overall picks since 1980 have won a cup. That's wild. Because they end up getting paid too much, and you can't build a team in the salary mm-hmm. cap era. I mean, Austin Matthews, great player, but, you know, if you can't build a team, I mean, and that's the thing. They have a pieces for to have good depth and everything, so you can add that later if you can. If you have the cap space and ability to do it, mm-hmm. I'd be all for it. Absolutely. But you got to get the right guy, too. You know, you got to get a guy that's got – that, like Danny Breer in the playoffs – Yes. Was even better than he was in the regular season. Yeah. Just like unhinged. I mean, he's not even close. Like, I mean, he was a really good player in the NHL in the regular seasons, but in the playoffs, yeah, he was unconscious. All he was an over point per game player in the playoffs. Yep. He's one of the best playoff performers to measure it to his regular season sets that you'll ever see. It's just stunning. It's like on the biggest stage, that dude just never shrank. That clutch gene was is just embedded in him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, um, and and he needs to be able to identify that gene as well. For sure. That's probably the hardest part yeah. is you have it, but can you identify it in somebody else? Yeah, that's that's uh, the thing. That's that's belly in a player. So mm-hmm. um, find it. I was, you know, basically threatened to ask you this. Uh, do you know anything if the Flyers are going to be returning to the, you know, Lindros, Leclerc era style uniforms in the upcoming season? Um, I don't know exactly what they look like. Um. Uh, I'm not sure like exactly what the new jerseys will look like. I know mm-hmm. they're going back to that 
I guess it's called burnt orange mm-hmm. the color. Um, but I don't know what the jerseys are going to look like. I'm not sure if they're going to be have like the shoulder situation or I'm not sure, but um, I, I don't love the whites now. Like there's yeah, too I much agree white. with you big time. Like, yeah. There's not a third color. It's just white and orange and that it looks pale to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to see, you know, that era come back. I, I love the old blacks too. And the oh, that's my favorite. Area. That's awesome. my, they're my, then my next question was, is there any chance we get the old school black oh, ones? Yeah, I love those. God, they're I mean, the, the best. The goalie coaches hate them, <laughs> hate them because it makes the goalie look like he's like so skinny and small. And there's huge contrast between him and the, and the net. So he just looks thinner. Like you always watch Corey Crawford when he played, mm-hmm. he was always a black pad wearing goalie. His five hole looks huge <laughs> compared to everybody else. That was just the contrast of the ice and the pad, though. That's awesome. I have to go now watch some old Blackhawks video to see if I can see that now. Oh, look, with any goalie with dark pads. (laughs) A lot of goalie coaches won't let their players wear them. Oh, man. Wow, that's wild. But, yeah, I can't wait to see what the new sweaters are. It's going to be awesome. Jason. And Stadium Series jerseys, too. That's going to be fun. I can't wait for that. Um, Jason, man, I I can't thank you enough for, as always, taking time out to talk to me and and come on here. before we head out of here, what do you got coming up? Is there a new Flyers Daily dropping tomorrow morning? We got one coming. Yeah, Bill and I uh, recorded one right after Danny's press conference. Awesome. Uh, just did the Stick to Hockey Live. And yep. got Ajis tomorrow with Harry Mays. And Boosh is coming on tomorrow from the That's Cup Final. He's awesome. doing national radio for that. So, yeah, there's always something coming out. I'm like a barfing out content nonstop. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Can't get enough of that. Um, Jason Martinez, I really appreciate it, brother. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. All right, man. See you. See you, brother.